say wear vanity URLs and promo code fall short. If a tree falls in the forest and no one is around to hear it, does it make an attributed impression? Tortured metaphor aside, tracking the success of a podcast ad campaign is a tricky proposition for many reasons. And while plenty of direct response advertisers hang their hats on conversion-based tracking methods, not all options are created equally. Hi, I'm Brian Barletta, and this is the audio version of the Sounds Profitable article where vanity URLs and promo codes fall short. Special thanks to Claritas for sponsoring this article. Check out their recent The Market Insider podcast and learn how to use current trends such as an industry-specific lift success and CPM comparisons in podcasting to increase advertiser adoption. You can find out more at claritas.com. Can you say introduction? Introduction. (laughs) No method of advertising attribution is perfect. Regardless of the medium, there's no way to capture every aspect of a listener's journey from ad exposure all the way to the desired conversion action. And even if we could monitor every aspect, we can't read minds yet to figure out how effective the advertisement was through surveying every member of the audience without expecting some level of bias. But perfect is the enemy of good, as they say, and in podcast advertising, we've got it pretty good. For most of my time in this space, marketers have tried to convince me that both promo codes and vanity URLs and pixel-based solutions were on equal footing. But today we're going to break down why pixel-based solutions should be at the forefront of your attribution strategy, and you should only fall back to promo codes and vanity URLs when there's no other options. Hulu is one of my favorite examples to use when discussing a sales funnel. Hulu's homepage spends about 25% of its real estate at best explaining what Hulu is, with the other 75% focused on telling you what you can buy. Almost everything you can click on will bring you immediately to another page dedicated to breaking out the purchase options or fast track you right to the account creation for a specific option. Unless you pick the bundle that includes Hulu, ESPN Plus, and Disney Plus, every sign-up option includes a free trial. Every user gets between 7 and 30 days of free access to Hulu just by entering the standard account creation info and adding in billing information for when the trial expires. Hulu understands that successful advertising is all about the handoff. A well-crafted campaign ideally drives a user to a specific action. In this specific scenario, there's a lot of actions that could be considered valuable. Think of the engagements on any of the following pages. The homepage, choosing your own plan, the Disney bundle, and their billing form, and every step of that form thereafter. Think of the conversions on any of these actions. The trial account is created, or the trial account converted to paid 7 to 30 days later. Conversions are important, but Hulu reminds us that conversions aren't everything. A campaign that successfully drives traffic to Hulu.com, yet doesn't drive conversions to a trial account, is still an effective campaign. While listeners failing to convert to create a trial account could be due to the quality of the customer sent over to the site, it's more likely related to the conversion funnel on the website itself stalling the process. Don't blame the ad creative for that failure. Or worse, what if the advertiser only considers the conversion when a trial account pays 7 to 30 days later? So now not only is the publisher not getting credit for bringing the listener to the site, but they're also not getting credit for getting the listener to register for a trial. A lot can happen in the time between trial signup and actually paying for an account. There are too many points of failure here that are ultimately the advertiser's responsibility and not the publisher's. I lived that scenario once while working at Claritas with an advertising client very similar in structure to Hulu. 
When the buyer looked at conversions for the paid campaign, they weren't impressed at the return they received. But by looking at the engagement the campaign drove to other parts of their website, it was very clear that the problem wasn't stemming from the campaign not driving to their website or even driving to free trials. The content in their app was just not compelling enough for users to stay past the trial and pay for the service. Without fully monitoring the entire funnel, that campaign would have been considered a failure. But by moving the conversion for the campaign to trial signups and presenting the value of the engagement driven overall, it was easy to show that the campaign was actually effective and allowed the advertiser to start A-B testing changes to their funnel. It was pretty clear to see where promo codes fall short in this scenario, right? They're often only captured at account creation, the earliest conversion action in this scenario. So while this is a far better conversion to track than when the account charges the listener, we still miss out on all the engagement steps that led to the action. It also doesn't help at all that this form of attribution is completely one-sided. After all, the only one who knows that the code was used is the advertiser. For the publisher to be able to optimize, they'll need the advertiser to provide conversion data, and that rarely happens in real time. Is a frequency of once per week or month enough? Vanity URLs have their own issues, like having their listeners remember that they have to go to hulu.com slash soundsprofitable to get the discount. If the advertiser chooses to track the listeners that land on that page, it's still another scenario where the advertiser has to share that information back to the publisher for them to optimize. And if the listener decides to go directly to Hulu.com instead of the vanity URL, the publisher receives no credit, even if they're how the listener found them after all. I worked on a campaign for a rideshare company whose very short and memorable vanity URL ended in slash drive. Thankfully, the advertiser was open to placing our pixels on their entire website because that campaign would have been a complete failure otherwise. The success of the campaign measured just from the vanity URL was pretty depressing, but it turns out that if measured by any visit to the website instead of just that one page, it did pretty well. I was honestly pretty shocked how many people just Googled the company's name instead of typing their main URL or vanity URL, a metric that would have been completely missed without tracking pixels placed across the site. And while people in glass houses shouldn't throw stones, it's a bit harder to generate fake impressions, engagements, and conversions with pixel tracking than it is to drive traffic to a vanity URL and promo code. If I was a publisher running a campaign with promo codes or a vanity URL, I'd immediately submit that information to every deal site out there in hopes that more people use it than would have just from the ads I was paid to run. We can do better. Pixel-based attribution focuses on matching an ad impression to an engagement or a conversion. It's not new ad tech, nor is that new to podcasting, but as more hosting providers improve to offer dynamic ad insertion and the industry continues to grow through increased ad spending, it's becoming increasingly common and solves a lot of the problems that promo codes and vanity URLs leave us with. On the ad exposure side, publishers have a lot more control. They can very easily create multiple different strategies for how they target the ad or even what creative they're going to use with minimal effort. Imagine replicating that with promo codes or vanity URLs. It would require advertisers to provide multiple of each for every single publisher on the campaign, which would, in turn, slow down any mid-campaign improvements that the publisher want to take while waiting for the advertiser to provide more granular reporting. On the engagement and conversion side, pixel attribution allows us to simplify the process for the advertiser. Instead of asking them to provide weekly reporting broken down granularly enough to optimize, we just need them to place a pixel on their site. We're also not asking them to accept custom codes or host unique websites on our behalf. All they have to do is place the pixel directly on their site or use a tag manager, which is built specifically to allow non-developers to add pixels to a site quickly and easily. With everything set up, the benefit here is we see the whole journey from the ad exposure to every action on the website and ultimately the conversion. 
So instead of sitting in the dark, crossing our fingers and hoping for a conversion, we can see all the different touch points where the listener could possibly fall off in the conversion funnel or the failure in driving traffic to the website overall before it's too late. Can you say every tool has its place? Every tool has its place. Not every publisher running ads can implement attribution tracking in their hosting platform. While pixels can be appended at the prefix or impression level, and most attribution partners will accept the raw data being shared with them, not all hosting providers give the publishers the option to use pixels or share that level of data. Most advertisers are comfortable with placing pixels on their website. It's an expected part of advertising, not just in the podcast advertising space. And not all advertisers have fully vetted podcast-specific partners, but that is constantly changing. Google's own DoubleClick Campaign Manager doesn't work for attribution and podcasting, but there are multi-channel partners such as Artsy, LeadsRx, and LoopMe that the advertiser might already have a relationship with. Promo codes and vanity URLs shouldn't be the first ad tech tool we reach for, but if pixel-based attribution isn't an option, it absolutely should be used as a fallback. Can you say wrapping it up? Wrapping it up. Having a preferred methodology and partner is critical to being successful in advertising. There really is no bad solution if your team is fully versed on how to use the technology and what the benefits and shortcomings are of using it, especially compared to the other options out there. Even as we continue to improve listener-based privacy, a pure unaugmented IP-to-IP match from an exposed listener of a podcast to a site visitation is going to provide more value than only being able to track conversions from a promo code and site visitation to a specific URL. There's no wrong option for running a successful campaign in podcasting, but there definitely are better options. Thanks for listening to this narration of the Sounds Profitable article written by me, Brian Barletta. Thanks again to Claritas for sponsoring this episode. Check out their recent The Marketing Insider podcast and learn how to use current trends such as an industry-specific lift success and CPM comparisons in podcasting to increase advertiser adoption. You can find out more at Claritas.com. Special thanks to Ian Powell for engineering this episode. And thank you for following this premium feed of Sounds Profitable provided by Supercast. And as you probably know, you can always visit soundsprofitable.com for more articles like this, our product deep dive series, and the official Sounds Profitable podcast. Thanks again for listening. See my <laughs> They can't see it. It's an audio format. <laughs> <laughs>